Scripture says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But what is the truth? And how do we gain that knowledge? The answer to these questions and more in today's edition of Faith with Father. Living Bread Radio presents Faith with Father, a program aimed at teaching today's culture the truth about the Catholic faith. And now here's your host, Tim Perry. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry, and with me today in studio is Father Michael Denk, currently parochial vicar of St. Joseph Parish in Amherst. Welcome, Father. Thank you, Tim. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you again. We're going to continue our discussion from the UCAT, the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church, and we're talking about sacraments of healing, and we're finishing up on uh, penance. And one of the questions that the UCAT asks is, on 235, can I make a confession even if I have not committed any serious sins? So, yes, um, and, and, and confession is, is encouraged, you know, for all of us. So as we talked about in the earlier shows, even the people that were really holy, you know, the people that are kind of living saints on this earth, still went to confession because the holier we are, the more we realize our sinfulness and even the smaller sins. So confession um, can benefit someone even without a grave or mortal sin on their souls. So it's it's good for all of us from time to time to experience forgiveness, even from the, the, the sins that are, are not so grave. Would you say the opposite is true, is if I don't think I need to go to confession and I don't think I sin, mm-hmm. that probably my conscience isn't formed well enough to realize yeah, that I'm sinning? either that or you're in big denial. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, we we all sin. And if if we think that we have no need of confession or no need of, of forgiveness of our sins, then I would say there's something pretty deep going on there that, uh, you know, the enemy's got a pretty good hold on us if he's got us denying that there's any sin in our life. We mentioned earlier that it's really easy for each one of us to deceive ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. And to not want to face the truth mm-hmm. of some sins that we may be committing, even if it's something uh, in thought only, maybe mm-hmm. not so much in action or words, but maybe some uh, impure thoughts or something like that that we uh, may not even realize that we're doing. Right, and we read in Scripture that he who says he has no sin is, has been deceived. You know, so we're you're under a great deception if you think that um, that, that you haven't sinned. All of us have. Okay. Two thirty-seven asks: Are there sins that are so serious that not even the average priest can forgive them? So the quick answer is no. You know, sometimes people think, oh, I don't know this, I don't know if this sin is even forgivable. You know, there's no unforgivable sin. Um, the only thing that it gets a little tricky with that is excommunication. Now, there's a couple different kinds of excommunication. There's formal excommunication, and then there's informal excommunication. So informal excommunication would be that you have done something that takes you out of, outside of communion. You know, So maybe you've, you've had an affair, or maybe you've um, uh, just done something seriously and grave that's, that's taken you outside of communion with the church and needs to be um, reconciled. Certainly a priest in confession can can take care of all of that, can forgive all that through Christ and, and bring you back to the church. The only thing would ever be a, is a formal excommunication. So unless you have a letter in your hand from the bishop saying you are excommunicated, there's nothing a priest can't can't forgive. So even some of the sins of old, like it used to be, uh, you know, abortion was excommunication. It still is, but a priest no longer has to refer somebody to the bishop. We can write in confession, ab- absolve them of their sins, and they are fully 
reconcile with the church. I had a Catholic one time tell me that they were excommunicated because they got divorced. They mm. felt that they that, mm-hmm. and I says, "Well, do you have a letter?" Yeah. <laughs> and I says, "Well, no, I didn't get any letter." I says, "No, you're not excommunicated." Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a lot of people get confused on that. It's it's so easy to pick up the phone anonymously and call a priest and talk to him even over the phone. About yeah. So sin. if you're unsure about yourself, or if you're unsure about your state and the church or Satan, your soul, don't be afraid to ask a priest. You know, find a priest that you think is approachable and just ask him. Tell him tell him what's going on, and you might find out that things aren't as bad as you think. Okay. Question two thirty eight asks: What uh, may a priest? later repeat something he has learned in confession? So this is extremely important. The answer is no. We can never, ever, ever repeat anything that we've we've heard or learned in confession from somebody. The, the, the extremely clarifying thing is we can never repeat the sinner, who the person was in the sin. We can never say, this person did that. You know, we can never kind of make that known or public. Under no circumstances whatsoever. So even if we were called to like to court to testify about something, and you know maybe somebody came to confession and confessed a murder, you know, or something like that, that is bound by the what's called the seal. It's bound in the seal of confession. It's sealed between that person and God and, and us as the priest that was administering the sacrament. It can never repeat it again. They had that exact scenario on Law and Order on oh, one of their they? episodes. Yeah. Yes. And what happened to the priest? Uh, uh yes. <laughs> But again, it's TV, uh-huh. and again, a couple of the officers are are Catholic. So well, and the, but this just so you know, there there's nothing that's more taken more serious and more grave. A priest would be formally formally this time excommunicated from the, from the church if he were ever to do that. So um, it is something that is very extremely serious. It is uh, a seal, you know. So it is seen as, as permanent that it will never be repeated again. Your sin's not permanent, but it, the, the permanence is that it will never be repeated, ever. So no matter how serious a, a sin I commit, I can go to confession with confidence, mm-hmm. knowing that the priest will never repeat it to anybody exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah, so you can come to a priest, and the, actually that's kind of the painful thing of that for a priest, is because sometimes somebody might tell you something that they're involved in, and as they walk away, you can't do any, I can't do anything. You know, okay. I just have to kind of leave things as they are. So, yeah, you can have full confidence and faith that there will be no uh, consequences from that. So question 239 asks, what are the positive effects of confession? Well, the positive effects are, first of all, you're, re- you're united with God. You know, so your, your sins are forgiven. The slate is wiped clean. You're completely pure and holy before God. You're united with him and with the church. You're able to receive the sacraments. You're able to experience the full life of grace. You're out of whatever um, that darkness or denial, any of that was, and you're, you're finally in the light. You know, so the, the benefit, the, um, the, the positive aspect of it is you're, you're completely united once more with God. So you will, you'll, you'll be able to feel him again and experience him again and, um, be happy and peaceful and joyful. I mean, it's it's all positive. Good reason to go to confession. Yeah. Since we're talking about the sacraments of healing, uh, we transition in the UCAT to the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. And 240 asks, how is sickness interpreted in the Old Testament? Yeah, and first I just I want to make a bridge here because it is so important. We're dealing with the two sacraments of healing. So the sacrament of confession, and now we're, we're moving into the sacrament of anointing. Implicit in the sacrament of anointing is forgiveness of sins. So the people will ask, you know, why can't deacons or other people do it? Uh, because implicit in the sacrament is the forgiveness of sins. And the idea is that in that sacrament, your sins are forgiven as well. 
but it's implicit, you know. So the idea is that if you're able to, you should make confession a part of that because God wants to heal you body, mind, and soul. And so it's always good if you can go to confession and then be anointed. That's like the fullness of the sacraments of healing. Now, certainly if you are in the hospital and you can't think and maybe you're part, part unconscious, you know, the priest will anoint you and that does completely forgive your sins. Okay. So how was sickness interpreted in the Old Testament? So in the Old Testament, it was seen as kind of like a consequence, you know, um, it, or, or a severe trial against, one, against which one could protest, but in which one could also see God's hand. So in the prophets, the thought appears that sufferings are not just a curse and not always the consequence of personal sin, but by patiently bearing suffering, one can also be there for others. So sickness was seen almost as like a, a blessing. You know, it was this thing that if taken on, it could help you to grow closer to God and grow closer to others. Well, Mother Teresa even said that mm -hmm. suffering yeah. is a gift. Suffering is a gift, yeah. It's the cross, you know, and the cross is a gift too if we if we can embrace it. And again, that's one of the beautiful teachings of the church is that we can uni unite ourselves with Jesus mm -hmm. in our suffering because of his suffering that he suffered. And, you and your suffering no longer is just you suffering. Your suffering is for the redemption of the world when we do that. And, and that's, that's what is wonderful about it. You know, when we suffer, we become much more understanding and compassionate of other people that suffer. And it actually becomes something that unites us and bonds us rather than um, d separates us. Okay. So 241 in the UCAT asks, why did Jesus show so much interest in the sick? Well, the sick had, you know, they were kind of his, his priority. He came. He came for the sinner. He came for the sick. He came to heal them. You know, he, our God is so compassionate. He sees your pain. He came to take on suffering just so that he could be with us in it. You know, so that's kind of the unique, uh, unique thing about Christ. Jesus came in order to show God's love. So the UCAT says he often did this in places where we feel especially threatened. So if you think about it, in the weakening of our life through sickness, God wants us to become well in body and soul. I don't know about you, but I have an aversion to hospitals. I don't like going into them. Um, I don't think anybody does. You know, we don't like to go to where people are sick. We don't like to go and see the doctor. We do anything we can to put it off. Yet this is where Christ goes. And he, and he goes there in a unique way because he wants to meet us right there in our suffering and brokenness. And then 243 says, for whom is the sacrament of the anointing of the sick intended? Okay, so this is a great question. Who can receive anointing of the sick? We, I, I think especially the older generation kind of associates this when you're dying, when you're on your deathbed and you're ready to take your last breath, then you can be anointed. Well, anointing of the sick really is for anyone who has a serious illness. So that's the condition right there. Anyone that has a serious illness is able to, to receive anointing of the sick. There's a couple other uh, times where it could be appropriate, and those are for the elderly. So if you are elderly, you don't even need a serious illness. You know, just say you're, you're elderly in your, in your old age. Anointing of the sick is there to uh, not only uh, guard you and heal you, but to strengthen you, you know, to face whatever suffering or difficulties you go through. Okay. 244 in the UCAN asks, how is the anointing of the sick administered? So the essential ritual by which the sacrament of anointing is administered consists of anointing of the forehead 
and the hands with holy oil accompanied by prayer. So it's always a priest or a bishop anointing. First of all, he lays hands on you in silence, and that's the invocation of the Holy Spirit. And then he will anoint your hands, your, your head, your forehead, and your hands with oil. And if you ask the priest, if, if, if you know, say you're having a knee surgery or, or something like that, he could then anoint that part of your body, wherever it is that you know, would need to be healed. So 248 asks, who can administer the anointing of the sick? Okay, so I just answered that. A priest can. A priest or a bishop can. Those are the ones that Christ has uh, appointed, and uh, the handing on, uh, the laying on of the hands and the Holy Spirit being passed forth has been, that gift has been given to priests and bishops. Okay. And then 247 asks, what is meant by viaticum? Viaticum. Okay, so this is, this is the last sacrament. Viaticum literally means bread for the journey. Viaticum is the celebration of that that last sacrament. So it's, it's part of the last rites. You know, so the last rites are confessing your sins, receiving communion, and um, anointing of the sick. Well, the viaticum is that receiving of communion. It's that, that final, the last time you'll ever receive communion. And that's a, to sustain you and to take you through that, that, that darkness, that transition of death into, into everlasting life. And it's also possible to receive the anointing of the sick more than once, correct? It is, yes. So you can receive it anytime you are seriously ill. You, you can and ought receive anointing of the sick. And even say you're seriously ill, you get anointed, and then maybe you get better, but then you get, you get sick again. Or maybe you, you're anointed, and then a couple weeks later, your diagnosis gets worse. You know, maybe, you got a, maybe your cancer is worse than you thought. You could be anointed again at that point. Yeah, so it is something that we, um, it's not intended just to be that last moment of death, but can be any time we're seriously ill and in need of healing. Great. Well, we've been listening to Father Michael Dank. Father, what's your blog spot? FatherMichaelDank.blogspot.com. Great. And uh, this has been Tim Perry for Faith with Father, reminding you that God loves you more than you can imagine. See you next time. This has been Faith with Father a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. For an audio archive of this program, log on to livingbreadradio.com and click on Faith with Father. If you have a question or comment about today's program, email us at askfather at livingbreadradio.com. And join us again next time for another edition of Faith with Father.